The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. On this week's Court TV podcast, Amber Heard took the stand in the dueling defamation trial of Depp v. Heard. Court TV's Ted Rollins joins me to break down what we learned from Heard while being questioned by her own lawyers and what we can expect from her cross-examination when she returns to the stand next week. This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinnie Politan. I'm Vinnie Politan. Thank you so much for downloading the Court TV Podcast. Let's get right into it. Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. It's the trial that... um, It's a snowball coming down the side of a mountain, and it is... uh, picking up so much interest in places that don't normally get interest when it it comes to trials, right? I mean, Court TV, we cover trials all the time, gavel-to-gavel coverage, and um, we know the people who are generally interested in trials and then the people that kind of drop in. Uh, But right now, uh, the world is on fire with Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard, and I'm coming off... um, a, a, a trip down a rabbit hole on TikTok. That's <laughs> just amazing. I want to bring you Court TV anchor Ted Rollins. Um, Ted, this is this has taken on a life of itself. Um, I knew it would be a big case, but what I what I didn't expect is, I guess because I've never had a trial quite like this in the world of of full on social media. But I don't know if you've taken a trip down this TikTok rabbit hole, but it, it is amazing. Um, how many people and different types of people and and how much they are getting into every little detail that is taking place inside that courtroom and turning it into um, something that is uh, humorous and uh, inevitably anti-Amber Heard. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, actually. Uh, Mother's Day picnic and uh, like a barbecue at our house and um, someone just mentioned the word Amber Heard and, uh, you know, 30 minutes later, we were still talking about it. It, it, it. No matter where you go, who you talk to, someone has um, either watched every second of it or is familiar with it. It's very rare. And you do get the old commercial. I'm not watching that. But the only reason is because they're going out of their way. It's everywhere. And uh, to your point, the TikTok nation is on fire from Amber doing cocaine on the stand to every other conspiracy that people can c- come up with after going through the video. I actually love it because it keeps us sharp. And um, they've pointed out a couple things that, uh, you know, I know on, on my show, we've, we've gone in and discussed. Absolutely. And, you know, the numbers on TikTok and, and the number of views for hashtag justice for Johnny Depp is now reaching, I think, 10 billion 10 billion. That is, that is a, that's a crazy number. Now for Amber Heard, hashtag justice for Amber Heard, it's, it's, you know, about 36 million or so. But then I started reading them, Ted, the hashtag uh, justice for Amber Heard posts that people are putting up there. And more than half of them are anti Amber Heard also. So it's, it's incredibly overwhelming. Here's the question I have for you, Ted, though, seeing the reaction of people watching this trial, do you think it's any sort of an indicator of the way the jury is seeing this case, which is completely one-sided outside of the courtroom? 
I, I, I can't imagine it's as one-sided or even close, but you have to, if you're Johnny Depp's team, feel as though the jury is picking up what a lot of um, people that are watching the trial, they didn't come in with an agenda. I'm not talking about the Johnny Depp fan, the, um, you know, the Edward Scissors hand nut or um, someone who shows up at the courthouse. The, the person just said, hmm, I think I'm going to check this out. I would argue that individual is leaning towards not believing Amber Heard. And that is I w- what I would think jurors are where they are at this point. And it's and it really is. It's hard to get your head around because of the accusations against Johnny Depp that she has leveled the detail of these incidents. And then there's just this overall weird feeling about it, right? You know, we've covered so many of these trials and you get a, you get a, someone on the witness stand telling a jury a story like she's telling and it's just, it rips your heart out and you're, you feel this empathy for the person and you just have this overwhelming feeling of hatred towards the defendant. You know, it's different. This one, you listen to it and you kind of have an uh-oh feeling because it's, it, and it's hard to explain. And it, I don't want to say that I don't believe Amber Heard, completely but uh some of the stories the more you dissect them the more you go into them there's no way all of there's just no way um that they can all be true it's it's unreal and you know as you went through that and and i'm thinking that's that's the person right the person you described the person really had no cheering interest going into this but is is casually watching it or now like really into it um is is leaning that way And to me, that's the best indicator potentially of what's happening in that jury uh, box. Uh, The only caveat being that the jury is is young and male. um, And, I, you know, that's not that's just different than I've ever seen. It's only going to be seven jurors and you've got nine that are watching and five of them are young and male. So I think the the majority of the. Uh, deliberating jurors will be young and male and young male and Asian as well. And I, and I don't know how a young guy is, is seeing this trial necessarily other than the, the kids who are in my house. Well, I know our, our Chandler painter who's in there every day is watching that jury very closely. Um, you know, she, she, the more she talks about it, the, I do think the jury makeup favors Amber her because young is bad for Johnny Depp. In my opinion, in only in that, if you're going to poke holes in what Amber Heard is saying, some of the reasons you poke holes on it is through life experience. And that you might lose that opportunity with a younger jury. And, and according to what Chanley is saying, this is a young jury. Absolutely. So let's get right into it, because as you said, Ted, the description of what she said happened to her um, is 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 criminal behavior criminal be- behavior by johnny depp the the first one i want to take a listen to though is the, is, is the first time amber heard says that she is assaulted in front of people in front of witnesses not your classic domestic violence where your abuser isolates you from everyone else and and sort of corners you this is in front of a bunch of people on a plane this is before they're married as they're taking a ride from uh, Massachusetts, Boston, where Johnny's filming a film, um, and going out to L.A. for his daughter's birthday. Let's take a listen. I am walking away from him slowly, and he tells me to hurry the f*** up. 
hurry up. And I just look at him one more time, wanting to penetrate the monster to see the man that I love underneath that, the man I loved. And he tells me to hurry up again. And I pull my gaze away from him. I walk away from him. My back is turned to him, and I feel this boot in my back. He just kicked me in the back. I fell to the floor. I caught myself on the floor, and I just felt like I was looking at the floor of the plane for felt like a long time. And I, I, didn't, I, I thought to myself, I don't know what to do. I can't believe he just, did he just kick me? No one said anything. No one did anything. In front of witnesses. So Ted Rollins, if I'm, if I'm a juror and I'm, and I'm hearing this, I mean, the first thing I, I want, I, all the people who sat there and did nothing, I want to hear them on the witness stand. Tell us what they saw. Tell us what they heard. Absolutely. And, um, <clears throat> And that's the problem with her case. If no one else gets up to tell the stories that she is telling, if if they can't track down the stewardess that Johnny Depp prepared, you know, uh, uh, grab her arm and it looked like it was going to break it. Uh, where's that lady? Where's the? Where are these people? Now, during Johnny's case in chief, they had someone on that plane, and um, and that individual told a different story. Did not, um, you know. Uh, did not corroborate Amber Heard's story. They need that person. They need that person for each and every one of these stories, sadly, at this point, because of the underlying unbelievability that is permeating from that witness box. You know, what we're hearing being described by Amber Heard, these are horrific beatings. And it, and it, and it went over the course of years and a bunch of them before they even got married. And it just, it, it continued, it continued, it continued. And she's describing herself as a classic battered woman. That's, that's, that's what she is describing to this jury. And, you know, we're in, a, we're in the world of Me Too and everything else, but um, people are not necessarily buying into it. And, and you know, I, I, I'm trying to figure out why is that? Why, what is it about the way she is describing what happened? You know, because as you mentioned, Ted, it's not just all people who are Johnny Depp fans. It's people who, oh yeah, I know who Johnny Depp is. I, I don't know who Amber Heard is, but now I do. I'm watching this and I'm just not buying it. And I don't know if we've ever seen actors testify before. And can they turn on and turn off being an actor to be human or is it inevitable when they testify that they bring the drama to the witness stand and people are seeing through it and it's and it's and it and it, even if there's some level of truth to what she's saying the dramatic aspects of the way she's presenting it to the jury but like he kicked me in the back in, in the back and I asked, did he just kick? Like, I don't know if regular people talk like that. And I think that's part of the way there's not this connection happening with 
this uh, accuser. Yeah, I agree. This is, this is overacted um, on a, a, an insane level. And, you know, the, the, the people that are missing at this trial that should be front and center, where's Gloria already? Where are the Me Too protesters outside saying, shame on you, America, for second guessing this domestic abuse survivor? Um, something's off. Something is off and people are they don't know what to do. This is a, I have never seen anything like it. You just don't know what what do you do if you have these feelings that you don't believe these horrific stories, because God forbid that they're all true. If they're all true, Johnny Depp should be in prison for the rest of his life. Absolutely. And l- l- let's get to what I, what I deem to really be the most horrific accusation made by Amber Heard, which is a sexual assault with a bottle. And and this took place during what she described as like a three-day thing. And, and it's still not crystal clear to me exactly what was happening in this house over what time period, when was she awake, when, when, what, it's very confusing. And I know it's years ago and, and she's trying to piece this together, but even as she told this story, like, I, I understand what she's describing in the moment, but I don't I don't really see the big picture of what's happening in this this mansion down in Australia. And this is during the filming of of Pirates five. Right. One of Johnny's last big, 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 big movie uh, that he made. Let's take a listen here to Amber Heard describing this um, alleged sexual assault by her husband, Johnny Depp. I felt this pressure. I felt this pressure. He on my pubic bone. And I, he said he was present. He was punching me. I, I don't remember what I said. I just remember being really still, not wanting to move. I remember looking around the room. I remember looking at all the broken bottles, broken glass, and I remember they just not wanting to move because I didn't know if it was broken. I didn't know if the bottle that he had inside me was broken. This, this would be, I mean, you would go to prison for years. And years there were there were no police were called. There was no medical attention um, for Amber Heard after this. And and I don't know if that's dispositive of anything, but it's it would be very helpful in getting the jury to believe it if those aspects did in fact exist. But they don't. So we're left with right now her testimony about what happened. And let's start first with the tears. It's been a big part of the reaction to her testimony. She's crying there. And, and, you know, anytime a witness cries on the stand, there's skepticism. But if it's an actress or an actor who is crying, uh, the scrutiny becomes even greater. Um, what are your thoughts about the, the actual crying, the, the emotional breakdown of Amber Heard on the witness stand describing this sexual assault? It's, it's tough to analyze that only because I've, I've um, 
been in these situations before in courtrooms. Um, a recent one was Kyle Rittenhouse. People thought he was faking, faking. I, I guarantee you Kyle Rittenhouse was not faking. If you're not in the courtroom, you can't completely appreciate the what is exuding from the witness in question. That said, um, the amount of time she's been on the stand, the amount of um, um, wail, not wailing, but you know that 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 crying, that that halted breathing, and the lack of tears in combination, um, you know, there's got to be some acting. I mean, let's be honest; it's it just doesn't. Again, the uh oh feeling from Amber Heard. That's one of the points where I get it is when there's prolonged um, puffing and puffing without the tears. Yeah, that, that's problematic. It, it it really is problematic because I think everyone sees it. Everyone experiences. Now, the jury is very close. You know, they put the witness stand on the side of the judge that's closest to the jury so they can see and hear the testimony. And they'll have the best view of Amber Heard during these moments. Uh, as much as our camera can show you the witness, uh, Ted is right. Being in the room, it's, it's, a, it's just a different experience. Um, the other part of this whole fiasco, this incident, whatever happened down in Australia, is that she described like glass everywhere being dragged across the floor, all this stuff. And it, it just seemed what she was describing would result in cuts and and injuries that she would have that would require some level of medical attention. It, it just seems that would be part of the common sense of being through what she said she went through. And that part doesn't exist. I think that is a huge problem because this is a very extreme story and you know, a jury has to decide who who are we going to believe and what are we going to believe. And if you believe someone is exaggerating or making up one story, you could potentially discount everything that they say. And, and jurors have done that. It's happened to me, Ted, as a lawyer in court. It was it was a case, a very minor case involving breaking and entering into a car. But the jury believed that my witness who happened to be an off-duty police officer was lying about an issue that had nothing to do with the breaking and entering of the car, but because they didn't trust what he said there, they discounted all of his testimony and that kid walked. I mean, that kid, he stole that eight track inside the car, Ted, and he got away with it because the jury didn't believe what the off-duty police officer said about an issue totally unrelated to the theft. And that could happen here. That could happen here, Ted. But what she's, what she's potentially exaggerating, potentially, again, she could be telling the, the truth and jury buys it, but potentially is related to the charges. Oh, it happens all the time. And in a sexual assault accusation scenario, if you don't think she's telling the truth about part of it, um, I think there's a very good chance you discount everything. The bottle story to me is, in the, is one of those, if you, w- without getting too graphic here, but if you think about the logistics of what is being alleged, um, it's nearly impossible to your point earlier, because before the bottle, she said he was hitting me several times, uh, then threw me onto that gaming table, then all of a sudden feels the bottle. If all of those things happen, and first of all, I don't believe the bottle physically can happen, um, just 
because of the logistics. And, and that's where a younger jury might not appreciate it, a, a young male jury. <clears throat> but she would have been, uh, she would have had to have gone to a, a hospital. But first of all, she would have run for her life. The, it, it does, whenever she had an opportunity, an open door, something, she would have run and run because the, what she is describing is a horror movie. And guess what? In every horror movie, the victim gets an opportunity to run and run. And then the guy, the, 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 the Jason or Michael Myers chases him down. Johnny Depp, she has created, she turned him into a monster in a in and she set up this horror movie setting yet she didn't run that doesn't make any sense let's go to another part of the testimony because this was fascinating and speaking of tiktok it's a moment that people are are talking about there as well during her cross-examination um she mentions another one of johnny's exes let's listen to it and then uh, let's talk about the reaction of Johnny Depp and his defense team to this moment. I don't hesitate. I don't wait. I just, in my head, instantly think of Kate Moss and the stairs, and I swung at him. And all of my relationship to date with Johnny, I hadn't landed a blow. Kate Moss. Kate Moss. When, as, soon as, as soon as she mentions the name Kate Moss... There is just this excitement by Johnny Depp's legal team that is that were, were captured um, on camera. It was inexplicable. It was it was it was glee. It was happiness. It was joyous excitement. It was wow. I can't believe she said Kate Moss. So now the question is, what does that mean? I mean, my my gut tells me that they have that this opened the door to something, right? That's what you're always wondering is, is someone, that's why defendants, criminal defendants never take the, the stand and other people because they can open the door to other issues that uh, attorneys don't want in front of the jury. But here it seems that Johnny Depp and his team have something up their sleeve that, that is related to Kate Moss. Ted, what have you heard about this? She ever heard reference to Kate Moss uh, story in the UK when she was testifying, saying that she had she had heard a rumor that he had pushed his previous girlfriend Kate Moss uh, down the stairs, and um, the reaction from Johnny Depp's team was absolutely the fist pumping of woohoo! She said Kate Moss. She said Kate. Yes, yes. Why are they doing that? Because they've opened the door. So I, I talked to Chanley Painter about this too. She's been in the courtroom covering this for Court TV. Um, a door has been opened. Likely that door is going to allow them to bring in Johnny Depp's history with women. Because uh, that's basically what she's referring to. And they're very pleased to do that because they believe that um, there is no history of physical abuse in his long history with many, many women, including Kate Moss, whether as far as the staircase story, Kate Moss goes, where that, that goes in, in the trial, who knows? But I, the, the feeling is they've opened a door and boy, Johnny Depp's team is pretty pleased about it. So does that mean Winona Ryder ends up testifying in court? 
about how much she still loves Johnny, even though he changed the tattoo that had her name on it to Wino. Well, that would take things to a whole other level. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. All right, Ted Brolin staying with us. We've got uh, more to get to. When we come back, I, I want to talk about um, Johnny Depp. And, and more about this relationship and, and Johnny Depp's finger and, and some of the mutual um, abuse that was taking place that Amber Heard had to deal with on the witness stand and dealt with it on direct because she still has not been cross-examined. We'll be right back. I am going to kill you. The killer, you know. They were the perfect family, but never suspected. I'll find you one way or the other. Someone they knew with Tamron Hall. Sunday, 9, 8 central on Court TV. One of the most memorable parts of Johnny Depp's testimony was when he described how his finger was severed. And it happened in Australia, and it, you know, everyone knew about it. It impacted his ability to do things, how to get emergency uh, surgery, et cetera. But he severed part of his finger. And exactly how that finger was severed is a major point of contention between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Johnny Depp said, she did it. She threw one liquor bottle at me, went flying by his head, He's, he's at the bar, and then he has his hand sort of on the side of the bar, and she picks up a, a larger bottle, whips it at him, the glass shatters, and it severs his finger because his finger is caught up against the bar uh, or hanging off the side of the bar as it's hit by this bottle. Now, I don't know what happened, but that's his story. Um, here is Amber Heard talking about that same finger and how she found out that the finger had been severed. He was standing at the office desk. He had his hand wrapped in this, uh, like, rags or, you know, bandana rags. And I, I think he took them down or somehow showed me, and he said, look what you made me do. I did this for you, something to that effect. And I kind of put together, it was covered in paint, and I put together that that's... Like he was using his finger. I quickly became aware that that's what he was using as a paintbrush, even though there was lots of paintbrushes around. Um, and we didn't have any sort of like coherent conversation, as you can imagine. Um, I figured out he was missing a finger. He kind of held it up and I said, what did you do when, like, what, what did you do when? And I realized in my head that there had been many hours since this probably happened, assuming that that was the happened with the phone. In any case, I, I knew it had been way too long that he had had this blood, you know, that he was bleeding. And I, I said, I'm going to call 911 if you don't call Jerry now. So there you have it. She wasn't there when it happened. She was not there when it happened. That's her, that's her story. This big blowout down in Australia, glass everywhere. Yet at that moment, she's, she's not there. Um, Ted, this is part of, you know, and I'm watching the, the trial. I'm not taking, um, 
notes the way the jury may be taking notes, but I'm just having a hard time piecing together this whole, this whole fiasco. That's the only thing I can use to describe it because I don't know who's abusing who. I don't know what exactly is happening down in Australia. I know something bad happened in that home. Um, but my, my timeline and everything else is a little foggy when it comes to all of this. I don't know if there's a, a, a ton of clarity. Um, and, and maybe that's the nature of the whole thing. Maybe it, it, they are all in a haze. But from your perspective watching this as well, do you have a, a clear sense of what her version is of, of what happened down in Australia and like where this finger fits into the timeline of the the bottle, uh, the sexual assault with the bottle and, and the screaming and the yelling and the sleeping pills and when people from the outside um, come to the home and when it's cleaned up and all of that. It, 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 to me, it's a, it's, a little, it's a little hazy right now. Well, it's, it's very hazy. It's depicted by both of them as a multiple day um, event, if you will. But her version is that there's two separate incidents, the bottle assault, and then coming down and seeing his finger is gone, his fingertip is gone, is the next day. She, she went up to take a couple sleeping pills. And then, um, again, when you talk about the horror movie, she depicts walking down the stairs, seeing the blood on the walls, the writing on the walls, and then the Marilyn Manson music blasting. And she finds Johnny in the study over by the desk. It's like Jack Nicholson is playing this part. part. It's insanity. And then he says, look what you did to me. And he shows the finger that's chopped off. And so now you're to, led to believe that he was so love drunk and drunk drunk and high and everything else that he when she left chopped his finger off and then painted on the walls the problem for johnny depp in this whole thing is he did paint on the walls in his own blood which takes the whole thing to a whole other level of crazy oh absolutely so how the jury figures this out is that this one is a tough one for me yeah so so johnny Depp's description of what happened to the finger was a very specific story. He was very descriptive in the way he said it um, and, and how it happened. Hers is, I wasn't there. And the reason is probably hazy is because of all the sleeping pills, right? So um, as, I, as I'm putting this all together in this, this whole, I mean, this is a mess. This is an absolute mess. By the way, they're staying in like some other big time sports celebrities mansion down in Australia that they, that Disney, I guess, rented for him, uh, which is another whole story that you would trash somebody else's home. Um, but dysfunctional beyond belief, but the story it's, it, it, and then when people respond, she testified that they were trying to get her to calm down and to take, you know, some medicines and, and medicate. To me, it's it's strange. It doesn't all it doesn't fit together very well for me. It doesn't make sense, and I don't know if if that sort of chaos could ever make sense. And and I'm trying to create some order in a in a scenario that has no order. And maybe that's just my problem in trying to piece this together in a logical way when you've got perhaps two people acting very illogically in the moment, and it, it wouldn't make sense. But one of her problems is that she is not taking any responsibility. It takes two to tango and you don't have this sort of events take place without another 
um, looks out as some responsibility, some admission of something. She's always painting herself in this perfect light. And then what she does at the very end by saying that they call for um, Jerry, uh, Judy uh, to come in, the bodyguard, she's throwing them under the bus too. And the problem is that she did it with the plain story. She's done it the whole time. The jury was able to meet those people, either some by video, um, you know, Isaac Baruch took over the courtroom when he testified. But to, to take it to another level and say, why well, right, Johnny did these things to me. Now, all of these other people really are supporting a wife beater and just turning the other way. And they're people that the jury has seen and met. That is risky because um, that it, it takes it to a whole nother level of a conspiracy and some sort of power that Johnny Depp would have over other people to do horrible things. And that just doesn't happen very often. And those witnesses were, most of them were pretty likable. That's the other part. They were, they were likable people for the most part. Not, you know, some of them kind of neutral on, but there were a few of them, like you mentioned, Ike and, and the bodyguard, um, big personalities and had, uh, and came across as, as, Good people on the witness stand. They may not be, you know, if, if what Amber Heard is saying is true, then then obviously they've got some issues if they can be uh, bought off by being on Johnny Depp's payroll. Um, but you are correct. That is a, another part of it. It's not, it's more than Amber versus Johnny. It's, it's Amber versus Johnny and a bunch of other people right now. She needs some people on her side and it, it's going to happen. I mean, this is only the second witness in her case. So she has other witnesses she's going to call. So this conversation may change uh, drastically uh, when we have the next podcast. Now, um, you mentioned how she doesn't take responsibility, and she spent a lot of time uh, blaming Johnny Depp and trying to explain uh, who he is and, and, and what would happen and why things would go wrong, and it was always Johnny's fault. And, and again, uh, Johnny really didn't take much of the blame when he testified either. He admitted to his drug and alcohol issues, but not to the extent um, that Amber Heard is pointing towards his problems and and probably less to the extent that they are a true problem for, for Johnny Depp. But let's listen to her now uh, talk about um, how she learned to sort of cope and deal with Johnny Depp. Eventually, it'd get bored, and then I'd see him drinking again. Um, when I started to get upset, noticing the pattern um, of the violence going with the, the drinking and drugs, then, I, then he started sneaking it. So it became less clear, and I'd have to look for clues as to what he was on. So I just knew how to react, you know? Uh, Johnny on speed is very different from Johnny on opiates. Uh, Johnny on opiates very different from... <laughs> Adderall and, 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 and cocaine Johnny, which is very different from Quaaludes Johnny. But I, I had to get good at paying attention to the different versions of him. Now, anyone who has to live with an addict may very well relate to what she's describing. If you don't, um, it becomes more difficult, I think. I think it becomes vastly uh, more difficult but she's, she's describing Johnny Depp as someone who has all these different personalities based upon whatever drug he's taken. Um, cocaine Johnny, Quaaludes Johnny. Um, none of those Johnnies were in the courtroom for this jury. 
So how about that, Ted, where the jury has, well, I guess to a certain extent, they did see one other Johnny in that video, right? They, they see mega pint Johnny, who was drinking that huge pint of wine first thing in the morning, um, or maybe 11 o'clock in the morning, whatever it was. So maybe they got a flavor for him. Do, do you think she does a good job of kind of explaining and, and selling that, hey, that, that Johnny that you see on the big screen, the Johnny who's sitting at council table, the, there, there are different Johnnies here, and you haven't met them, but I have. I thought that was very effective for her. Um, and when you couple it with the monster theme that she kept bringing up is that when Johnny is under the influence, he's the monster, and he called himself the monster, and they have the text to support that where he refers to himself as the monster. And then I, you know, I do think she takes it a little too far when she's recalling some of these events and says, I'm looking into his eyes and I'm looking for Johnny and I can't find him that, you know, she takes it to another level, but to uh, your point, his drug use is a problem in that the herd team is going to, at the end of the day, try to throw the perfect pass, thread this needle, to allow jurors to believe what Johnny said for the most part on the stand and also to believe what Amber said, if you can buy into that the monster, the drug-induced Johnny, took the other Johnny away and he doesn't remember it. There's a blackout theory that I think they're going to harp on in closing because they have a problem. The problem is Johnny Depp taking the stand and seeming somewhat believable. This is a way around that to say, you don't have to say one of us is lying. You can say nobody's lying intentionally. Johnny just doesn't remember because he's under the influence. Another issue for them, though, is all the people around him who have already testified saying, well, Johnny's kind of the same no matter how much the guy can drink like a fish and smoke two pounds of pot. He seems like the same dude. Um, so that is a bit of an issue, but I'm sure they'll have people on the other side that will come on, on Amber's side to, to refute that. Yeah, we, she didn't describe marijuana, Johnny, right? Um, so this is the way I see it, Ted, when it comes to ultimately trying to figure out this relationship, which is what the jury has to do, is that the drugs, right? The drugs are in the middle of all of this, the drugs and the alcohol. Amber Heard saying the drugs and the alcohol turned Johnny into a violent monster, Okay. Johnny Depp saying, well, the drugs and the alcohol um, would then motivate Amber to go after Johnny in a way like you shouldn't be doing this. You can't do this and and attacking him verbally and then eventually physically attacking him because he's taking the drugs. Right. That's that's the way it's break. Either the drugs make him a monster or the drugs, to a certain extent, from Johnny's perspective, make her into the instigator of conflict, which he is always trying to avoid and just wants to take his drugs, get away from her and go to sleep. Yeah. And, and she's the ultimate button pusher and she's doing it for to, to get him because he is do, using the drugs that she doesn't want him to use. And he points out at the end of that video that she took of him while he poured his mega pint that she smiled and chuckled. And, and we isolated that portion of it, the longer version of it uh, on our show. And, and you can hear a little chuckle, whether she's chuckling at the crazy comment that he just 
made to her or um, chuckling like, I got him. Um, she definitely smiles and chuckles and is not fearful for her life, not fearful that he is going to erupt and, and, and start throwing bottles at her. It, it just, that to me, and that was brilliant by Johnny Depp because it was right, it was during Cross and he said, well, what I took away from it was, and, and, and then he brought that up because you wouldn't have heard, you wouldn't have noticed it if you're a juror, but him bringing it up was brilliant because now, hmm, you think to yourself, wow, if that's true, then uh, we got a problem. Major problem. If she's not scared of him when he's, you know, slamming things around the house and screaming about his mega pint and angry about being secretly uh, video recorded. So the other thing that Amber Heard has to deal with, and, and, you know, it'll probably be a big part of cross-examination, but she dealt with it on, on direct examination, is the fact that the jury's heard these recordings. And you listen to the recordings, and, and Amber Heard is not meek. She is not cowering in the corner. You know, she is, she is yelling, screaming. She's ad admitting to striking Johnny Depp. So here she is in her testimony kind of describing this, this back and forth and admitting to the jury that at some point, She's she's giving and not just getting the abuse. I would yell at him. I'd scream at him. I'd call him ugly names. So ashamed of the names we'd call each other. It was awful. It was awful. We both got into that pattern. It was so, you know, I felt so angry that this was happening to me. And it felt it just felt so unfair, you know. It felt like nothing I could do. It felt like nothing I could do would change the sobriety patterns. It felt like nothing I could do would stand up for him. And nothing I did made him stop hitting me. That's a line that stuck with me, Ted. How is, is, is a jury going to buy this? That she attempted to make him stop hitting her by screaming at him and, and calling him all these awful names. Is that, is that a... a plausible coping mechanism for trying to stop someone from beating you up to stop someone from abusing you. You decide to start calling them awful names, ugly names. I, I'm not sure. I don't know I, that to me, that's a, that's a little bit of a tough sell. Um, but, but maybe it. I mean, if she talked more about fighting back and, and, you know, getting hit and then hitting him back and, or hitting back and running or calling police or, but the coping mechanism here she's describing is I would just scream at him awful and call him awful names to try to make him stop getting mad and hitting me. Well, I actually think she's going to do a combination and you're going to see that in the close because she did also reference that at some point when he saw uh, that when she saw that he was maybe communicating with another woman on the iPad that something snapped and she started to, at that point, fight back. So you're going to get a two pronged approach of, I tried everything. She tried everything to get him sober because she knew that that was the problem. The monster was the problem. If you just get him to stop and you heard him, he said he'd never stop. And then she decided to fight back. So you have a two pronged um, scenario that she can then Get, and this may come, this should come out across too, because you're right. She's going to have to explain 
what, you know, because two wrongs don't make a right. So explain to this jury why calling him all of these names is going to help your situation if you're saying that you're being abused. Yeah, it's the the one thing that, I, and we keep saying this, I keep saying this at least, one thing is clear is that um, this was not a great relationship. This was an awful relationship. Um, there was such animosity in this relationship. It was broken. And the thing I'm wondering this young male jury is going to think about is like, why would they get married? Why would they get married? Like if all of this is true, if he's doing all this stuff to you, and even from Johnny Depp's perspective, if she's doing this stuff to you as well, because it kind of goes both ways. Why did they get married? Ted, do you have a theory on that, on, on why you think they got married? Do you think that this was a relationship that was just so intense that it got their adrenaline going and they, they got these super highs when they were together? And I mean, from the, the chemistry between the two, um, and, and that was the attraction? They needed like a, like you needed that, that real dangerous thrill in your life. Well, all the drugs Johnny Depp did, the, the one drug that is the most powerful in its purest form is love. And they had it and they were consuming it together. And to your, the ups, the downs, the jealousy all come with that powerful love drug. And they weren't able to handle it. It was through the roof. So they're connected. Why did they get married? Because they never felt anything like this before. At least Johnny hadn't, and he'd been around the block. Let's be honest. Amber, also, you know, younger woman, but she's had other relationship. Something there was an explosion there, and they both seemed. That's the one thing they both seem to agree on is the love that they had for each other when things were going right, and then it backfired into um, jealousy and and everything else. So. I get why they got married. It's just, I mean, it's a Whitney Houston, Bobby Brown scenario. When you get two like two people on that same wavelength and no one is the referee or saying, whoa, um, there could be trouble. And there was definitely trouble in that marriage. Yeah. It, it's I, taking us into this place through this trial, which I think is a big part of the fascination. We are hearing all the things that celebrities and, and couples want to hide from the world. Like regular couples want to hide this stuff from the world, let alone two high profile people want to hide this from the world. But obviously Johnny Depp did not want to. Um, he knew everything that we're hearing would come out. Amber Heard didn't necessarily want any of this to, to be public, but it now is. And what a tough job um, the young men in this jury will have when it's time to make a decision about what happened and then applying the law to it all. Uh, Ted Rollins, uh, thank you for all the time. I know you're super, super busy uh, down there at your front row seat to justice. So uh, you can watch Ted every morning, right, Ted? You wake up super early. Nine to noon Eastern every morning, Monday through Friday. I start the day and you finish it. Absolutely. Ted wakes up uh, around 2 a.m. to prepare for his show every morning. To bring you Thanks so much, Ted. When we come back, folks, I have a moment I want to play for you. It was from the cross-examination of the psychological expert called by Amber Heard's team. But, you know, it's been one of those real, like, wow moments, I think. 
and and it could go a long way. It could go a long way in this trial in in understanding just the level of danger or non-danger that Amber Heard was experiencing in her marriage to Johnny Depp. Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. Do you know what this is? I believe this is the um, knife that Miss Heard gave to Mr. Depp as a gift. All right. And you speak Spanish? Un poquito. <laughs> Do you know what it says? Yes, it says hasta la muerta, until death. So a woman you suggest has characteristics of being afraid for her life, gives her intimate partner a large knife, which she has inscribed until death. That's your testimony? Well, there's context. How about that moment of cross-examination? I'm a lawyer. If you're a lawyer, you live for moments like that. You live for moments like that. That could go a long way. You know, in a closing argument, there, trust me, Johnny Depp's attorneys will make a huge reference to that. It's, it's, and it's one of those arguments that is like common sense. Jurors are allowed to use common sense. So if you're a victim of domestic violence, you literally literally fearing for your life as a gift to your, to your husband, as a gift to your abuser, you're going to give them a large knife. I think that makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And obviously Amber Heard and her team will have a, a, an explanation and context, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's it. That's a very powerful image a very powerful moment of cross-examination. And um, that member of Johnny Depp's team will not be doing the cross-examination of Amber Heard. Um, however, the team is working together. So, um, and, and they're good. They're, they're really good at what they do. So the cross-examination of Amber Heard um, will be a big, big part of this case. You know, the direct examination goes one way. You're prepared. You know what the questions are. You can go on your... Uh, long answers and, and really kind of fill in all the blanks. But when it comes to cross-examination, if you have prepared properly for it as an attorney, you look for moments like that, moments that will make a jury like all of a sudden say, hey, wait a minute, you're right. That doesn't make sense. A domestic violence victim wouldn't give her abuser a knife that says till death. That would be crazy. It would only make sense if she wasn't a victim of abuse. And that's, that's going to be the argument. And we'll see how many more of those types of moments uh, the defense has in store when they, they cross-examine Amber Heard. Um, but I, I say this each time during the podcast, and you have to remember this. This is a difficult case for Johnny Depp. I have spoken to experts who do who specialize in defamation cases. And I, and I said... Zero to 10, how difficult is it in the United States of America to prove 
defamation if you are a celebrity? The answer was 11, with 10 being the most difficult. It was 11. So um, at the end of the day, it is still, regardless of what you think, what TikTok thinks, what anyone thinks, because of the First Amendment, our Constitution, the burden of proof uh, in a defamation case brought by a public figure slash celebrity, it is still, still virtually impossible to win. But we'll see. But we will see. You know, and, and engaging who who won this trial, the verdict is one way to gauge it. Uh, for Johnny Depp, uh, for Amber Heard and their public relations team, there may be another way, a secondary way. But the bottom line is whoever wins this trial is going to jump up on, on, on top of a soapbox and, and, and scream to the world, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. So I think ultimately the, the jury will determine uh, the winner here. Because to the to the victor belongs the opportunity to say, um, I was right. I told the truth. And whichever side wins is going to be able to say that. Now, um, a lot of people I've had on my show that are believing Amber Heard, and there's not a ton of them, but the ones that have been there always point to the UK case. They point to it time and time and time again. And... I'm not persuaded by what happened in the UK. Uh, the reason being, number one, the type of trial it was. It was not a jury trial. It was not, it was not ordinary citizens. It was not a jury of anyone's peers. It was a professional, a judge who made the decision. And from being an attorney, I know the verdicts of judges um, can be much different than the verdicts of juries comprised of ordinary, regular people who are not professionals. When I say professionals, I mean like a judge who is in a courtroom day in and day out and have a jaded look at things or have to run for re-election or get reappointed, whatever it is. Um, a jury of seven is going to have to agree as to whatever the verdict is here. And, and I think there absolutely is much more of an opportunity for Johnny Depp in front of seven Americans as opposed to one judge from the UK. But we shall see. And you can see if you watch Court TV, if, if you um, have a digital antenna, just please rescan it and you'll find Court TV or you can go on to CourtTV.com uh, where to find us and you can uh, check out how you can watch our gavel to gavel coverage of Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. And then, of course, watch me every night from 8 to 10 p.m. taking a look at the biggest moments of each and every day and uh, taking that in-depth look and analysis of all the issues in, in this case, and obviously when this trial is over, uh, all the other great trials and cases and investigations that we cover on Court TV. Uh, that's it for this week, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for downloading. I'm Vinny Politan. Have a great week. And as always, don't forget to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Core TV in your area.